Good heavens, it's the Bobcast. Welcome to episode six. Can you believe it? Episode six. Um, I'm Kevin Mitchell, uh, aka Bob Evans. You guys already know that stuff. Um, so, just quickly, I'm going to plug my tour. Uh, as we listen to this, it starts in Adelaide on Thursday night at the Grace Emily. There's only a couple of tickets left. Um, please come along. Then after that, we go to WA. We play Dunsborough Tavern, Jack Rabbit Slims in Northbridge, Mojo's in Fremantle, and then next week we're at uh, the Foundry in Brisbane, Newtown Social Club in Sydney, and Howler in Melbourne. I'm taking a brilliant five-piece band with me. We've just started rehearsing, and it sounds fucking awesome. It's really, really great. Um, so I'd love for you to come along. Um, obviously, the podcast, if uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd love for you to review it and to uh, comment on it on the page all that stuff really really helps get it out there i'm really enjoying doing this podcast it's been a lot of fun it's something i really want to keep doing um also too i'm uh the spotify playlist uh every time i do these i add three songs to the bob evans uh the the uh, good evans it's a bobcast soundtrack on spotify and uh sort of curating a, a bit of a, a, a playlist of songs there, which is getting very interesting, I must say. All right, so here we are, episode six, and my guest for this episode is Rove McManus. Now, most people of my generation would know Rove best from his uh, TV show that he hosted throughout the 2000s, which was a kind of... You know, nighttime TV show. Everyone knows it. It was a it was a huge show, and it, and it really, it was a great show because every week uh, they would have a live a band come and play live uh, to close out the show, and it was a, it was a wonderful platform for bands to perform. My band Jebed I got to do it a couple of times, and I did it once as Bob Evans as well, um, and that show that kind of show has never existed since, and and I think it's a real shame. Um, I'm really, really, uh, really stoked to uh, for Rove the fact that Rove, you know, agreed to speak to me on this uh, podcast. You know, he's not doing it. <laughs> Obviously, he's not doing it for the uh, uh, for the attention. Um, uh, I think uh, the thing that I, I've always really admired Rove um, because I've always got a sense that. Um, he's somebody that has, you know, like he's he's been successful, right? You know, this is the thing. Okay, there are a lot of people that become successful, and success in itself, whilst it's kind of impressive, it's not. You know, what really appeals to me are people that are successful but do good things with their success, right? And it's it's like the thing about it's not what you do, it's how you do it, and. Rove, to me, as an outsider, you know, my perspective on it is that he's been somebody that has always kind of brought a lot of uh, positive kind of energy to what he's done. Um, and he's surrounded himself and, and in fact, helped the careers of people who are of good people, you know. And it's something that I really admire and it's something that I've always kind of tried to do with my own career as well. Um, 
So yeah, I'm really, I was really, really happy that he uh, agreed to talk to me. Uh, we have a, a really great chat. We did it just as I as I record this intro. We uh, we spoke just today via Skype. He's in Sydney um, at the moment doing a uh, breakfast radio show. Um, but you know, he he spent a lot of time in LA prior to that, and uh, we don't really sort of talk a lot about his kind of career um, as such. Um, the whole thing with this with this podcast is that I don't really want to, you know, as you probably, if you've been listening to it, you're probably aware that um, I, I like the idea of it just being conversations and I don't really prepare a lot. I just like the idea that, you know, I'm just going to talk to somebody and the conversation is just going to go wherever it goes, you know, depending on what, you know, how we connect and what, what we want to talk about and what my guest wants to talk about. And so... Um, so yeah, this is very much in um, very this 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 conversation is very much uh, in that sort of realm. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, this is episode six of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. <laughs> Kev, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining me. I I really miss you. I really you. appreciate it. Oh, bless your cotton Hasn't socks. Hasn't been so goddamn long. Yeah, well, look, I I was sort of, you know, this morning thinking like the first time that I that uh, that I remember our paths crossing was mm. of course when you were uh, doing Rove the TV show and Jeb and I yes. played um, it was and the f- and and I remember uh, I remember it really well and I'll, I'll and I'll tell you why because we uh, I think it was two thousand and two it was our third record and and uh, with all the road you know with all those TV shows the band always played at the end of the show and we went on after you were interviewing Fergie the Duchess, the Duchess. of York. Of oh, everything, she was she was a York. I think they've taken it off her, and I I balanced on a teacup. I think <laughs> she was spruiking uh, spruiking some kind of china or something, wasn't she? Yeah, it like was. A, but like and its selling point was Royal it was Dalton unbreakable, and it was like, okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to stand on it to see if it could break, and uh, and, and it, it did. did. Look, too, too, she's not a liar. She ain't a liar. It lasted. It was fantastic. That's right. And I remember being fascinated with you guys having on the cover of the album was um, a a quite iconic Western mm. Australian, well, very Perth, uh, southern yeah. suburbs specific, almost roadside yeah. icon of this flying saucer. The story of it being when I was a kid, it was a it was like the what do you call it? Like the main office for the estate mm. agents who were selling all off all yeah. the property in the area when it was yeah. still, you know, empty, empty land. And that yeah. was the office. And why it looked like some kind of UFO, I don't know. But then 
uh, once all the land was sold and the houses were built, they kept it there and it became the focal point of a playground. But then kids would get mm. in and torch it. So then it got removed. <laughs> Um, and it was quite as, sad, as but then there it was on your album cover, and I was saying, it was is it that one specifically, and is that relevant to you? Yeah. Am I asking you something? You're like, mate, we just cut and pasted a goddamn picture of a nah. flying saucer. I don't no, know. No, I mean, this is, we bonded this is an, over it. Yes, yes. So, I mean, just to sort of go back, we, as it turns out, and I, I didn't sort of realise this until um, we played on your show, but um, we actually grew up in neighbouring suburbs. Um, yes. I grew up in Bull Creek and used to drive, and I was born in 77, so probably a similar vintage. Um, yes. And we used to drive past that uh, that that spaceship all the time. Now, uh, and it ended up going on the cover of, of Jebediah's Slightly Old Way record. And so anyway, the, I've done some research, right? Well, I had, oh, you know, a, a while ago. So these 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 things, they're, they're called Futuro houses. I think they were invented oh. by a Finnish Invented by this Finnish inventor, someone from Finland is what I mean. Um, yes. And in the in the late sixties, early seventies, which makes sense. That makes um, sense. Yes. And there were only about one hundred built. And his idea for these houses, and obviously the style of it was about um, kind of you know it was the late sixties, early seventies. Everyone was into kind of you know futuristic shit. Uh, so that was kind of the, the the aesthetic of it, but the the kind of practical purpose of it was to be these um, sort of uh, movable home, uh, not movable homes, but movable kind of like you could go skiing and you could quickly set up your Futuro house in the ski fields oh, and I set see. that up as like your base and go go skiing and stuff. How and, bloody and so tremendous! They, yeah, it's amazing. And so they had some in America. Uh, obviously, there were more than one in Australia. Obviously, there was one where we grew up around Willerton in Perth in WA. But there's also I'm, one I'm, apparently I'm say I'm, in Canberra. I'm a little shocked. I'm a little oh, Canberra. I'm a little shocked that there was any in little old um, the southern suburbs of WA. That seems odd to me. Of all the places to choose, it is. It is. But uh, you know, maybe, well, that's the Finns you know, for the, you. They'll keep you guessing. <laughs> it was so it was a um, it was a so it was a real estate office, right? To begin with, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, that's that's how I'd been. T- so I, so so what yeah. you're telling me is whoever ran the real estate agent, they saw it and went, "Oh, I'm going to yes. use one as my pop up office." Yes, yes. Some I still, I forward where thinking. Some really forward thinking real estate dude yep. was like. Had this amazing idea, and it ended up becoming quite this sort of local icon. And unfortunately, yeah. it's not there anymore, and no one knows where it is. Um, no one knows what. And happened as to I it. look, I don't, I don't know how it was for you, but it, as I recall it, it just disappeared. There was no, yeah. oh, the scaffolding's up, or you heard the stories yeah. of the truck coming in, and yeah. that was part no of the street mystery. Parties. <laughs> yes, no fond farewell. No block party. No yeah. Oprah David Letterman style twelve month lap of honours one by one. We all get to say our goodbyes. It was just see you later, which mm. added to the mystery of the fact that it looked like a goddamn flying saucer. And then you yeah. wake up one morning, whoosh, it's gone. Like yes. Sozo, and was it ever there in the first place? <laughs> exactly. And it just feeds <laughs> into that idea of like, no, I swear, I grew up and there was a flying saucer in the park. You guys, Bullshit. guys, you gotta believe me. Ah. <laughs> I don't think it's I have there any anymore. photo the government of me took it away. near it. I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, I mean, goodbye, Bull Creek indeed, am I right? But, but you know, the and when Jebediah put it on the cover, I mean, it, like, 
obviously we had no idea that it was i mean it was just something that sort of we experienced growing up but we didn't realize until we did it that this was an experience that was shared by like you know thousands of people growing up kids in that area like that feeling of nostalgia and i was listening to someone talk about it recently who who had a very negative view of nostalgia because it's a looking back when you should be looking forward thing and that it's all false emotions that it brings back that makes you cling on to to a hope for something that has been instead of a hope that of something that might happen and uh i don't believe that to be true i think there is a nice feeling of familiarity and comfort and it can be a shared thing my wife and i because she too is is from wa she's not specifically from perth but certainly from wa we're a a year apart in age and for the two of us having had plenty of other relationship dating experiences in the past Mm. uh there's something about now finding yourself with someone who comes from your part of the world that means you have shared reference points to... Absolutely. God, it could be something as random as, you know, a sketch that was on Sesame Street that you liked or, yeah, yeah. like this yeah. or this, this something that was up the road from you. And it's amazing how it can really bond you with someone that you yeah. really don't know all that well because it's like, yeah. oh, my God, that flying saucer thing, me too. Yes, yeah. And how is that a bad thing? And if it was an inherently bad thing, you know, surely so many people wouldn't get into it. I mean, like like I said before, I mean, I was, oh, oh my God, that's really weird. Okay, somebody's just knocked on my roller door. I'm going to open the I'm roller act- door. Do you have to open the whole yeah. door? Oh, the door yeah, is yeah, going up. open the door. You're going to... You can hear it. It's a... Um, up it goes. Hello. Didn't even have to... He's done well. Didn't even... Ha- he, just, he didn't have to get off it's his chair. Just pushed man. a button. Oh, hi, delivery man. Um, what have you got? Oh, no. Okay, just give me one second, okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I pray this gold. all stays. Okay, Look, I'll, I'll, um, I'll vamp, as they say in the business. Bob is running. Oh, he's run outside. It's a lovely day out. I wonder if he's an eBayer. I get the feeling. Now, what I can't help but think about is the delivery guy knocking on the garage door, thinking inside will be cars. He could probably hear voices. And what he's seen is a goddamn podcast studio. Although in the modern world, that's hardly surprising. Isn't like every garage now a podcast studio, pretty much? We've given away the mystery. I mean, um, not garage. I mean, really upscale, supremely uh, plush podcast studio. Look, we're not talking to a Zoom. At least there's that. Anyone use a Zoom for anything other than podcasts? If not for podcasts, Zoom, whoever the Zoom people are, John and Mary Zoom, if you're listening, I apologise, but there's no other reason to own a Zoom unless you unless you have a podcast. And and not only that, you are too lazy um, to have <laughs> have it set up. You just want to go to people's house. Uh, what did you get? I'm I'm Was so he sorry for that. Of what he found, I should have said, "Help, help! I've been here for three weeks. I miss my family." <laughs> What did you get? So um, that was a so delivery, a delivery. coming. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What did you get? I'm fascinated that. So with what my you wife, had My wife uh, bought uh, some time ago. She's got this because, uh, um, okay, I'll give you some background. So two, <laughs> I've got two, two daughters. Uh, one's about to turn, my youngest is about to turn three and my oldest is about to turn five. And we've got this sort of, this sort of big expansive wall in our house that's kind of just 
not <laughs> not covered by anything. And so my wife is like, let's get a big whiteboard that we can like stick up against this wall. Yes. And so, you know, the kids can like draw and like, you know, we can do spelling and all that kind of stuff. Love it. So anyway, Love so it. a truck just turned up <laughs> with this whiteboard and seriously, it's fucking huge. It's about <laughs> two two meters wide and about a meter high and um and yeah, I had to help the uh, delivery guy get it out of his truck because and I now I've got to attach it to the wall. Big. Oh man, know, yeah, now you're in luck. It's, it's uh, it's kind of overkill, but you know what's going to happen. My little one, my little one is two and a half. Same, same yep. point. It's just drawing is great. Yeah, and yep. the idea, and and I didn't realize. At this young age, it's so disposable to them. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, mm. this is her first drawing. This is her first painting. <laughs> and I'm holding on to all of it. And she just she mm. can't be bothered. It's like, yeah. no, I want. let's do a new one. You go, no, let's let's keep this one. And she'll do, you know, she'll, she'll create something and then happily draw or paint over the top of it or then just go, you know yes, what would work yeah. on this? Black all over the thing. <laughs> Um, so she loves the idea of a whiteboard, the idea of draw it, get rid of it, do it again, get, get yeah, rid of it, do yeah. it again. I'm Genius. just worried that it's going to turn into like a giant like shopping list or like to-do list. Or well, what just, you'll find you know, is they won't be able to reach past a certain point. So it's only going to, you know, yeah, you'll have yeah. this enormously, you know, it'll be high as the whole wall, but it'll just be scribbles all over the bottom. And then trying to teach them of you don't get to draw on every wall in the house. This is just the special wall where it rubs off. <laughs> now they go stay at a friend's place and then they wake up and they've just drawn all over the wall. You know, um, I my one of my good friends, Luke Steele, who plays in Sleepy Jackson and Empire yes. of the Sun, he's uh, been a man of mine for a while. And I, I haven't seen him for a while because he lives overseas now, but... He grew up in with you know I would I would um, describe it as you know a fairly kind of liberal alternative kind of upbringing you know his dad was a muso um, and I remember the first time when I went round to his house he was still living with his parents and I I remember going into to to use the the bathroom and all of the wall like the the entire all of the walls were like um, covered in. Uh, drawings, illustrations, these kind of cartoony kind of illustrations. And so basically the whole time that the kids were growing up, him and his brothers and sisters, they were just allowed free range in the toilet. Like they could draw on the walls and paint and draw. Nice. Like, and it was just covered in these incredible, like, you know, childhood kind of art and stuff. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's actually really cool. <laughs> I love the idea of being able to let go of having to have everything just so. I remember, like, before I had a child, going over to people's houses and just seeing that, you know, just often it's just a mess. And I'd yeah, say, yeah. To her, what, you know, why don't you tidy up? And I remember my sister, who's the first <laughs> in our family to have kids, she said, her thing was, you just learn, like, there's no point because they're just going to mess it up. Yeah, but yeah. we have a thing of, yeah. of trying to implement that as, as part of play is you put things back somewhere so that more importantly you can find them. My child, I've broken my cardinal rule of she will not have too much stuff and she has way too much stuff. But yeah, for everything yeah. she has, you would think, well, you get the new something and that means you've forgotten about the 18 other somethings you have. And then I will go to cull, and then the next day she'll be like, "Where's uh, where's that toy? We're like, where's toy number sixteen? Essentially, like, where's that little yeah. blue fish gone?" 
And yeah. you'd be like, oh, I got rid of it. Like, you haven't touched that thing in months. Your your brain is too small. You're like a goldfish. You live in the moment. What are you talking about? What are you talking about what happened to that blue fish? That blue fish that you've never touched in ages that you had when you were a little baby? How can you still remember that? So I will at yeah. least uh, uh, applaud her for appreciating everything she has. Um, but, dear God, but there's a lot you, of it. How do you – and this is this is something that I kind of struggle with a little bit is um, where do you draw the line between like giving your kid because I kind of feel like I when I was a kid you know I was I had a, a a pretty you know good upbringing you know I had good education and had had things and stuff and now as a parent you know I'm in that position where I have to make decisions about you know what to give my kids and and often I kind of feel like oh they're being spoiled you know mm. like am I giving them too much like. How do you kind of, uh, you know, think about those kind of things? Well, I've been very, we've just been very lucky in that our our little girl, Ruby, um, she's just very, she's very cluey. She's, we've done a very good job. It's really, we even had this discussion last night, my wife Tasma and I, about about the whole nature nurture thing. So like how much of this, this child is, is because of us and how much of it is just, is obviously just her. So things like, um, as a quick side note, like people will say to me, your, your child is really like, she knows a lot. Like we went to the museum and she's identifying different animals and birds and, um, someone, the complete stranger turned around and, and, uh, said to me, oh, my God, like, how old is she? I said, oh, she's just two and a half. And they went, she knows a lot. Yeah, like the woman's right. going, I don't yeah. even know what that bird's called. But the way I relate that to people is to say, well, here's the thing. Like you're in the first couple of years of life, when you have a kid, you realize just how much of, of the first couple of years is just mapping out what the fuck is everything. <laughs> like what is... You know, like yeah. you can give yeah. them a book and A is for apple, B is for bus, C is for cat. What is an apple? How big is an apple? Do I live in yeah. an apple? Will an apple eat me? <laughs> Do I eat it? You know, is this even, is it even a, a real yeah. thing? Like yeah. the idea yeah. of, you know, my daughter seeing an elephant for the first time and hearing it go, yeah. And she looked at me like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's why you make that noise. So <laughs> you realize they're trying to map out just what it all is, yeah, how it yeah. all works. And so if you show them a picture of a duck, an emu, and a sparrow, and then go, that's a bird, that's a bird, that's a bird. To me, that's more confusing than saying, call that one a duck, call that one an emu, and call that yeah, one a sparrow, because yeah, that's yeah. easier to identify than, okay, so a bird can be tall, a bird can be short, a bird can swim, a bird can fly, a bird can not yeah. fly. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's nothing wrong yeah. with getting super specific about things, because they want to learn, so just open the floodgates, yeah. give and them kind everything. that's of fun, right, about like... That's it. Yeah, like... So what kind we of have tried being to do a parent is, we... is you... Oh, you go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We've, I think our delay is working against us. But yeah, oh, we just got the fun of being a parent is is um is going in there with them, you know, yeah. because it's maybe it's something that you haven't. Oh, so many times my kids will ask me questions, and I'll be like, you know what? I haven't thought about that for a really long time. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm not sure. Let's 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 go there. Let's talk. Let's think about that for a sec. 
Yeah, you know? and not wanting to get all, you know, I'm not too new agey with it all with, you know, asking your child, so how does that make you feel and things sure. like that. But certainly the yeah. idea of saying to her, this is your toy, getting back to the spoiling her thing. So this is your toy. You have this toy. You appreciate this toy. And then, like, we can be out somewhere and, yeah, at a shop and she'll say, can I have this toy? And we'll say, no, you can play with it. Yeah. You want to have it, yeah. you know, we, we are... So we've kind of built it up early enough that she understands she has her things. Uh, other people have things. Sometimes yep. you will give your things to other people, uh, mm. but they will give it back as much as sometimes you might want to play with their toy, but then you give it back and it makes you feel good yeah. and that not everything you want you have. And yes. it's gotten to the point where we're very lucky in that even we were at the airport and trying to kill time to get on a plane, and she noticed something in the shops, uh, a toy like a Finding Nemo uh, Dory fish, right. and she yep. um, she was looking at that. She's got his Dory because she knows who that was. I said, yeah, let's go take a look. She picked it up. She played with it. It's you, know, you squeeze it. It makes a noise, and then she looked at me like, can I have this? And I said, no, we've got to put that one down. We're not going to keep that one. And she's like, okay, this isn't one I get to keep. Yes. Whereas other times she'll look at me and like with this look of can I? And I'm like, yeah, we'll take that one home. I think we'll take that one home. Yeah, so yeah. we're just very lucky in that she understands the idea yeah, as an adult yeah. would have. Sometimes you get to keep it yeah. and sometimes you don't. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's like something sh- that is very cool. Like if you get to a point, I've got to that with my oldest daughter and she's nearly five, but where like I can, we can go to like the, when we're doing grocery shopping and there's always a little section in the grocery store that sells like kids toys and we can get to the point where she can actually handle the toys, actually pick them up, hold mm. them in her hand. And, and I say, yeah, that's cool, but we're not doing that today and put them back. Or we can walk down for, there's a, a whole aisle in every shopping center that's all like confectionery, yes. lollies, soda, you know, just all the bad shit, right? Um, and, and sometimes I'll just walk down that aisle with my kids, like just just as a test. Yeah, <laughs> just be sure. like Immersion <laughs> therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like we're going to walk down this. It's like kind of, you know, just putting all those temptations in front of them and just seeing what, how, how they'll react. Yeah, we're and, pretty um, good. Like we don't, I wouldn't go as far as you know, the YouTube clip you'd see of the dog that's staring at the cupcakes on a plate just going, <laughs> num, num, his eyes wide open as its owner saying, not yet, not yet. Yeah, um, yeah. But certainly the idea of saying, uh, no, you can't eat that yeah, or you know, you've got to it's finish good. this before you do this or, you know, yeah, you, you don't get to have everything you want. Um, for some reason, we have been very blessed in that she understands that and doesn't make things too difficult. So we haven't had the terrible twos, sure. and this is... but I do hear, and you can yep. probably pre-warn me, that three is when it comes sometimes. <laughs> Nowadays, it's not It's not the terrible twos. It's like the, the tantrum yeah. throwing threes or something they've got. But you know name. what? Like, you can't really, you just don't know because my youngest daughter is almost three and, yeah, she's like tantruming all the time. My oldest daughter... I don't remember her ever really tantruming too. And the other thing too, like, is you kind of you kind of forget like things. Kids grow up so fast, and they they progress and they go through all these kind of developmental stages so fucking fast that like it's really mm. easy to forget. I remember when we had our second baby, and it was it was almost two years to the day after we had our first, and I was like, 
ah, so how do you do it? How do you do a nappy again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like because so much had happened in two years, it just seemed like a lifetime ago. That you know, and you you kind of, of course, it comes back to you really quickly. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like it's 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 a it's a it's a really fascinating experience to go through. I liken it to sort of, it's like a pass the parcel thing, but every time the music stops, you're the one who gets to unwrap the next layer of the present. Like it's just, it's such a, I find it such, it's exhausting at 42. It's exhausting, but, um, yeah, but it's a joyous experience despite the fact that we've also had the realization of like, we're pretty, we're fun now. You know, for our age, we're pretty fun parents. We didn't have our kids at 20 where, you know, (laughs) we're grumbling at the world because we haven't had the chance to do everything. Like, we've done everything we'd want to do. We've done the travel. We lived and worked overseas. We've, you know, we've partied and we've done it. We've ticked all the boxes. So now we can enjoy or not enjoy, but we can, uh, we're not upset with the fact that maybe we're not out every day and that our our diary is not our own anymore. Um, Have you travelled overseas with your daughter yet? Yeah. I, again, I got advice from a friend of mine who who has travelled quite a bit with her little one, who's now four, and and I, that's kind of the only advice I asked before before our our daughter was born was okay. Like, how do you travel with it? Because um, we were in yeah. the US at the time, knowing that we were coming back, and she was going to be born in Australia. And just right. m- moving forward, knowing that we were still going to be doing a bit of back and forward between between the states and and, and Oz, um, and the advice she gave me was, if you're going to be doing it at all, the sooner the better. So it just becomes right. the norm. So now my yeah. daughter can understand. We're going on a plane. We're going to. She'll know we're going to Perth. She'll know we're going to Sydney. <laughs> she'll know we're going to LA. She knows that some trips are longer than others. I've even got her to understand because she's to. She's only just in the last two trips, like s- s- sat and watched TV the whole time. Her attention span right. was a bit too short. Yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely, yeah. So um, as much as we're not that's really a good, that's a good shoving point. in front of the one-eyed babysitter, um, but uh, but when the, the captain announcement comes on and it cuts off the audio, the first time that happened, she cracked the shit. <laughs> and just, just, I don't she, blame her. And she's got her headphones her. on, so she doesn't hear how loud she is. And she's very vocal at the best of times. She's just yeah. going, talking. <laughs> yeah. And I've looked at and, her and I've said, oh, and I explained it to her. I said, look, the captain has to make an announcement. He's just telling everybody that where yeah. we're going. And Sure, it's uh, a bit unnecessary. So then but... now I've taught her when, when the captain kicks in. <laughs> Because he did it like this the third time, you know, cabin crew, disarm doors and cross-check. Or when they tell you the direction, okay, we're going to take off to the north and head across the Great Australian... But you go, I don't care, just get us there. Plane goes up, plane goes up, plane goes down. Plane goes up, plane goes down. So yeah. every time he drops in, I would just look at her and just... I'd roll my eyes and make the yapping, like, up and down with your hand like a sock puppet. Oh, here he goes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> to the point where that became the game. So instead of getting mad every time the captain started talking, she'd look at right. me and do the little yabba, 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 here he goes hand movement. Um, <laughs> and I look forward to that coming back and biting me on the ass the next time I tried to lecture her about something and she gives me the sock puppet, blah, blah, blah. Well, just... see, this is the... This is the thing about kids is that so many of us, so many things come to bite us in the ass oh, eventually. Man. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, so a fact, the fact that we've got one is very helpful. The fact that we have a, a lifestyle 
and and uh, profession that means we can both sort of be around. Yeah, I think yeah, makes yeah. that job uh, a little bit easier. And definitely, um, definitely. and look, to be honest, I just man, I love hanging out with her. She's really good yeah. fun. Um, yeah. Again, it, it can be tiring at times, um, but that I think you, you add all that together, and it just it makes you want to be a better parent. Um, and I think most kids, and I see it looking at kids in the playground um, or, uh, you know, we just had a, a thing done with our pool where they changed the laws in New South Wales and um, to what you needed around your pool, fencing-wise. Right. And we, okay, we got a yeah. shed We got a shed near the pool that houses, like, all the filter system and stuff. And they were saying, that's yep. a hazard. You've got a fence around the shed because a kid could climb on the shed, then climb over the fence and get down to the pool. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then you put a fence around it, they can climb up the fence to climb on the shed and climb. Yeah. So at the end of the yeah. day, it's us as a, as a species, as a race, not wanting to put the responsibility on us to just watch our kids. Yeah, You know, it's yeah. like, no, 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 we need to put fences that are seven metres high so no kid can infiltrate it, which means I can keep updating my Facebook status rather than actually engaging with them. I love spending time with my daughter and putting my phone down and going, you know, unless it's really important, in which case, you know, and most times it can wait. But if we're at the playground or something, I want to engage with her. We'll go down the slides together. We'll run around. We'll be spiders hiding in spider webs like we were the other day on this netting. And I, I love it. I love it. And I reckon that makes a big difference. Is that something that you is like? So is that a conscious? You know, do you make a conscious decision? You know, like where you know uh, because you know, like you've got working mode and parent mode, and you know, it's the same for me. Like, you know, do you make a conscious decision of like, okay, right, like you know, because for me, my wife works as well. Like she works, you know, part time. So. Monday to Friday, every morning, I wake up with the kids and I look after the kids, apart from today where they're both at kindy and daycare, which is why we're talking today. But um, <laughs> And then, so my wife's at work and, you know, I I find that I almost have to make a, con- a real conscious decision. Okay, no, like, put down the phone. I'm not going to answer call. Like, I've got, it's just a few hours where I'm with the kids at home or if the weather's good, we'll take them out or whatever. And I, but I do feel like now, and I guess this plays into the whole you know thing of social media and stuff. But I do feel like I need to actually make that conscious decision with myself. And years ago, it wouldn't have even been a factor. But now I have to kind of go. Actually, no. I gotta. I gotta actually just tune out of stuff for a bit. Yeah, I think it's really important. Again, I you know, I look at other parents in the playground and. and not that I judge them as such, but I do. I just notice, like the kids that are the ones that are more difficult in the playground that are running around. Right, bit, you know, they're the one. They're the ones that are going to sprint past, bowl your kid over. Yeah, and yeah. then there's no one there to tell them yeah. not to do that, or teach them to apologise, or just respect other people's space. Yeah. Um, are usually the ones who you're looking around going. You know, and there's part of you, there's a darker side of your brain that goes, if I wanted to do something to you right now, if I wanted to smack you or steal you or, you know, get you abducted by aliens, you know, who's going to, I'm looking around going, I can't see anyone who's going to stop me. We had a, a girl in our, it, we were at the playground and there was one girl that was kind of on a set of swings and we were playing at the other end. And I'm looking around going, I cannot see another grown adult. There's a big bit of bush. There's a big bit of park. There's a little cafe. There's a woman way over in the cafe section, but that's 
literally hundreds of metres away. <laughs> it can't. That can't be your mum. And yep. so this girl is just <laughs> hovering around our our daughter, wanting to play. Um, and you know, Ruby had just arrived, and she likes to sort of get settled and do her own thing, and and she'll play with other kids, but she kind of likes to do it at her own pace. And this girl was like right up in her grill a bit, and um, but you know, they settled in, and then Ruby wanted to go to the swings, and so this girl decided she wanted to come too, and we're sitting on the swings, and I start pushing Ruby, and then this girl says, "Can you push me too?" And I'm looking around, just mm. going. Who is looking after you right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then she starts getting upset, and then Ruby's saying, "Can oh, you push shit. her as well? Let's let's. I want oh, the other shit. girl to swing as well." Soon as I put my hands on this girl, this woman who was the one way over at the cafe, right. just starts quickly walking over yeah. all of a sudden. And I'm thinking, well, you should have been here sooner, and you know nothing's yeah. going to happen, but. It, yeah. That type of thing makes me feel like I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the one who uses a playground to be a babysitter or a TV to be a babysitter yeah, yeah. when yeah. I can actually use the time to engage with my child. And, you know, sometimes life is busy and you've got to do what you've got to do. Yeah. But that also means that when the time comes where I do have to take a call or I do have to go to work or I do have to answer an email, I can say to her, mm. I'm just going to take this call and I'll be back and she knows that I mean it. And and that's a big difference too. I think you got to if you say something, you got to do something. If yep, if you're good, you get this. Then Follow reward them. Yeah. If it's Follow like through. Yeah, totally. when we get home, I promise we'll do this. It's not just bait to get you into the car. I mean sure, it. And if absolutely. I'm saying we just have to go home, consistency. There's definitely. no reward. Yeah. We just got to go home because yeah, yeah. it's time yeah, for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Then that's it. So, yeah. so yeah. I'm interested because I want to kind of talk, you know, a little bit about you know your sort of. Your backstory and growing up. Um, so, is there have there ever been any moments where you've found your, where you've thought to yourself, or you found yourself maybe sort of being like your parents in a way that you thought you would never be? Um, oh, there's times where uh, I can just as I don't know, I just hear my dad's voice at times. Like just as I get older, I don't. It's not necessarily yeah. any phrasing I do or anything like that. I do. I have found that I think I'm consciously trying to be like my mother, and and trying to because where she's at now as a grandmother is is pretty cool. If I could sort of end up being, she's kind of like the cool grandma, without yeah. you know trying too hard. And what's sure. funny is like we were. Um, uh, Back in WA, and and we had Ruby. Um, when was uh, this? This is only like two weeks ago, okay. and we've got all these toys and stuff <laughs> that you pack in your bag. You've got so much shit you got to take when you're with a kid um, to go. Just basically stay at Mum's place while yeah. Taz, Taz and I had a little bit of a, a couples break together, and we took all this stuff. And then I realised, what am I doing? Like we got up in the morning. And just um, Ruby wanted to do something. And my mum just had these uh, crayons that were like eggs that she sort of had for a while because they're easy to hold for a little kid. Right. And then Ruby was just being a bit disruptive or just being a bit fidgety. And mum just likes, like the dog whisperer, just changes her focus <laughs> and just says, hey, why don't we try and find uh, a nest to put these eggs in? Yeah. 
And Ruby's yeah. like, that's a great idea. So let's go look around the house and see what we can find. And so it was yeah. a tissue for one. They found a little egg cup thing for another. And then they took one outside and hid it in the garden with the idea of, and then we can come back and find it later. And then it's, hey, while we're out in the garden, why don't you help me water the plants and then we'll look, see what's in the letterbox. Maybe the mailman's left something. And you go, this is engaging <laughs> the kid. And here we are yeah. going, we'll bring the bag of toys and daddy will bring on the voices because that's yeah, what yeah. I do. And you just yeah. go, oh, no, she knows what she's doing. This is experience. And there's also she's. It's a different role too. I mean, she's, yeah. she's got the she's got the advantage of being like, oh, it's a new place, and I'm this new person, yeah. and you know the rules are slightly different, and yeah, that's, that's all very true. exciting. That's exciting for a kid, you know. But also, there seems to be like a level of experience that comes with being sure. a, a parent, and then a grandparent, and then a great yeah. grandparent. My uh, grandmother, who only just passed away oh, probably about a month ago now. She was 101. And she, wow. my God, she had 44, nearly 45 at the time of passing away. There's another one during a month. Um, uh, great grandchildren, 22 uh, grandchildren and 45 great grandchildren. Wow. And when a new, a new one would come along, whether it was a grandchild or a great grandchild, you could hand it to her. And someone once, a friend of mine once described it as, oh my God, she looks like she could pick up a child and spin it on her finger like a basketball <laughs> player. She was just <laughs> like so. Like a Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah, she was just so <laughs> comfortable handling a child through experience. Yeah. That it yeah. just came as second nature no matter how many years later. So there is part of me that just, you know, I try to teach myself I want to be like that. I want to be a bit more chilled. I want to be a bit more fun. I don't want to be try hard about it. Um, but still, you know, have that level of respect and authority that means you don't have to bark orders because, you know, if you say, can you please do this, they want to, therefore they will. All right, Rove, let's, uh, let's get into music because we've talked sure. for a, a heap of time and I really want to make sure that, you know, given that this is, you know, under the music category on the sure. iTunes podcast, <laughs> probably should mention for. music at some point. <laughs> um, so, you know, just as a, as a starting point, I'm interested to know, um, you know, a, about your sort of f- earliest memories of music and, um, and, and the kind of household you grew up in, if there was... If music was an important part of of your upbringing, and and what are some of your earliest kind of memories of, of music? Oh well, um, yeah, I had um, my parents were young when they had most of it, so I kind of grew up with the i in my in my head in my memory. It uh, we did have a lot of music around, and you know it was kind of that you know countdown era. You know there was the rise sure. of of Aussie music and. You know, my my parents were into things like, um, you know, Sherbet and Dr. Hook. They loved bloody Dr. Hook. So you're talking, yeah, that sort of late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Do you actually remember, do you remember ever seeing Countdown? Like, when did Countdown finish? It must have been in the... I remember. I don't actually remember ever seeing an episode. I think I might have just... just I remember, um, I remember... Countdown because I remember being at my cousin. I don't even know why I remember this to this day. It's just one of those <laughs> That's great. weird things. I can't explain why. I remember because I remember it being at my cousin's house and a cousin that we wouldn't often like, they weren't one of the cousins that we would see all the time. Um, so with, at their yeah. house, Countdown is on, and I just remember it's like sort of they got a weird sort of, you know, yellowy carpet. The TV's on the floor, and we're watching Countdown, and it was the 
when they would do the literal countdown at the end of the show to tell you what was at number right. one. And Gavin yep. Wood, the voiceover guy, would be doing it. Number three <laughs> is this thing, and number two is blah. And number yep. one was uh, Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You. And it was, had oh, been number one for so many yeah. weeks. I don't know what it was. It was wow. the Pharrell Williams happy of its day. It just never left the number one spot. And Gavin Wood's line was... Um, Stevie Wonder has spent so much time at number one, he must now own shares in Telecom, which was the big, you know, phone company of the day before it was Telstra. And I remember thinking, that's really funny. Even as a kid, that's funny. (laughs) Um, So that is certainly a memory I have of of Countdown. Most of the other stuff I seem, I I reckon it's it's probably a fabricated memory of a clip I have watched that makes me think I was there at the time. But certainly that I do, I do remember. But that's interesting. That's interesting that, you know, you talk about, you know, this uh, memory of Countdown and like a memory of somebody saying something funny, you know, and and your sort of background as being a a comedian. And I imagine, you know, I don't know, and please please tell me, I imagine you kind of, did you start off doing stand-up? Is that, was that how you started off doing into comedy or did you have a different kind of way in? Well, it was, it was, it I probably didn't know it at the time, but it was stuff like that. It was, you know, there's that comment, that's funny, um... Things like I've always loved animation and I still love it to this day, but I even now still don't connect with particular characters, but I love the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons and they're the ones that I love the most. It never really was a huge classic Disney Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy fan. They were very kidsy and a bit, you know, they're a bit too light and fluffy Whereas the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes characters, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Pepe Le Pew, were, were broken <laughs> characters, you know? Right, Bugs yeah, had yeah. a bit of sass. Daffy was a narcissist. He, was, he had a jealous streak. Um, you know, um, uh, Foghorn Leghorn was a loudmouth egomaniac. Uh, and and there was it was kind of adult. It was comedy. More than it was just, you know, friendly characters, you know, it's 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 a talking rabbit and a talking duck. And also like the too, whole, I, um, I think about like those the comedy like those kind of kid shows back then, they had also like they didn't really have any kind of real educational value. Like now no. like all kid shows now, it's like there's you know, mo- modern day kid shows have to um, engage in order to get off the ground. They have to they talk have to, have to the some child. Kind of you know, like value. there's the weird, well, the then, weird advent just... of Dora the Explorer, <laughs> where they talk to the screen, where they go, "Hey, do yes. you can you see where the apple is?" And yeah. it's almost like pantomime. Yeah. You have to go, "He's behind you." Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. There's they, a great there's Saturday pauses. Night Live sketch where they did a Dora the Explorer piss take. Where she's doing all her usual stuff of we have to go to the to the store. Do you know how to get to the store? Pause. That's right. <laughs> Move to the store. Do you know Long, why we need to go pause, to the yeah. store? We need to buy some equipment. And then just randomly says, "Do you know how to kill a man in prison using only your bare hands?" <laughs> pause. That's right. And then she, it's brilliant. It's a really great. <laughs> take on on what those shows have become but yeah the warner brothers ones were were funny like you know even the wordplay of the initial you know rabbit fire one which was rabbit, the whole rabbit season duck season you know um it was clever and it was funny and i didn't realize it at the time but 
looking back, that's why I connected and and was attracted to those characters and those stories that they yeah. told, yeah. as opposed to you know your light and fluffy, beautiful Disney happy ending. So yeah, that was my early connection to comedy, and that kind of I reckon forged the path, even though I didn't really know it at the time. Right, yeah. So those were the first things that kind of made you laugh. And... Yeah, and then although you know it's a different kettle of fish now, but then growing up, it was like hearing uh, Bill Cosby, you know. And despite the fact he has yeah, had a tremendous fall from grace, at the yeah. time he was so squeaky clean, you could listen to him as a kid. As a kid, the bit he used to do about it was two bits: one about the dad who the the mother is sick and so the dad has to make the kids breakfast and all he has in the fridge is chocolate cake and in his head he's going well there's eggs and milk in chocolate cake that's perfect for young kids <laughs> yeah um that and the bit about um why does the dentist try to have a conversation with you when you're in there? And he's like, you know, so where know, are you off to? Yes. We go, oh, oh, oh. You ever do any fishing? Oh, oh, oh. Where do you usually go? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. But that as a kid was was a funny idea because he, he was, yeah. although he was yeah. criticised for it in some respects by, you know, future comics like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy who went to break the mould and he would say, you don't need to swear. There's something about, yeah, I didn't yeah. hear Eddie Murphy till I was in my teens um, sure. you know, or Richard Pryor, not till much later, because what he was talking about was way over my head for me to connect with. But Cosby was, you know, it was it was straight up and down. And as a kid, you could listen to that, and we did. Um, so that was kind of my first steps into hearing stand up and and appreciating someone's storytelling for comedic effect. Yeah. What about the idea, and this is something that I've, you know, I've talked to about you know, in recent times with friends and stuff, the idea of you know, where do you sit on the idea of separating the, the artist from the art? You know, when you look at someone like Bill Cosby and there are you know, a bunch of you know, different people that have had similar falls from grace, and like Woody Allen is another example. Like, yeah, right. Uh, where do you stand on the idea of like, you know, the artist and the art, and can you separate them? Because my personal view is that... Um, I can, if I love somebody's art, even if they turn out to be like an evil human being, I can kind of make some separation. Well, but a yeah, lot of people, you know, the there's like a lot I... of different opinions about that stuff. A lot of people just can't, like, a lot of people are just like, once they find out that the creator of that art is guilty of these, like, horrible things, it just tarnishes it to the point where they're just like, I can't listen to it again, I can't do mm. engage in that again, I'm going to throw it all out. What do you well, like, I, I agree with you. I, I understand why people would have the opposite Definitely. view of, you know, that's it, I can't listen to it without thinking of horrible things. Um, but there's there is a part of me that can make that separation, and you know I can appreciate uh, a painting from you know a troubled artist like Van Gogh yeah. or something, knowing that that pain is what brought you that tremendous piece. If it's kind of it's almost like a reverse engineered thing. It's not like I'm going to buy a John Wayne Gacy uh, clown painting because you know he's a he's a, a serial uh, pedophile murderer. Yeah. Uh, who's now yeah. locked up and likes to paint pictures of clowns, and that's how you know about the art. It's kind of, you know, my first thought when I think of Bill Cosby, my first thoughts are of those routines and and then to by no means defend what he has done and what he has been accused of, um, which I obviously wholeheartedly am against. But I can, I can make that separation. What it does tarnish yeah. is my appreciation of the fact that he was yeah. still performing 
in in later years and some of the later stuff he was doing in life. The idea of if he was performing, like you could go and see him now. I went and saw Billy Crystal live a couple of weeks ago and had a moment right. while I was sitting there of just going, oh, my God, I'm witnessing a real moment here for me. Yeah. Like I never would have thought I could sit and just listen to this guy tell stories, which were essentially, essentially coming out like little stand-up routines. Um, and And for some reason it just really – uh, connected with me in a way where I went, wow, this is one of these things I'm really going to remember. Now, if he had had some horrible thing happen, I wouldn't go and buy a ticket. Sure. I wouldn't go and see yeah. him. I would not want to be anywhere near yeah. him. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy Harry Met Sally next time I watch it or yeah, yeah. City Slickers exactly, or yeah. anything like that that he's yeah. done. So it's more just yeah. that it kind of unfortunately – uh, it just changes where things are at now for someone's yeah. legacy, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I can certainly still enjoy you know something that's it's like Michael Jackson. Like he after he oh, no. passed away I'm, and like all the Michael Jackson all the tabloid like my... stuff was gone. In in the tributes to him, it kind of reminded us what a gifted, supremely gifted performer he was. Oh uh, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. To the point where yeah. after watching all the news tributes over the, the couple of days my nephew who was very very young at the time um too young to have known him any if for any reason before just became captivated by him and very right. sweetly went up to my sister and said to her mum do you know who michael jackson is and she <laughs> said actually yeah yeah i do and he said he's very good isn't he like he had just <laughs> you know the horrible passing of this guy yeah. thankfully yeah. His his lasting memory was not all the trouble he had been through, but you know, holy shit, how good was he at what he did? That's right, yeah. And I mean, Michael Jackson is a really great example, and for me personally, because he's my f- my first uh, memory of 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 having like a a rock star kind of idol, you know. And I was like a little oh, kid, yeah. you know, I had the posters on the wall. I used to dance around in my room to Michael Jackson, you know. He was, you know, Thriller came out in 83 or whatever when I was six years old. It was my first cassette tape that I was given for my birthday. All that kind of stuff. So I guess, like, you know, it's hard because, like, all that stuff is still significant. You know, it means mm. something. It means something to me. It means something to lots of people. You know, he did good stuff. Yep, yeah, I don't know what bad stuff he did. And I guess we'll, well, that might be a constant thing that we're finding new things out about or whatever. But, like... You know, I guess, like, I just don't want to... And, and Woody Allen is the same. I'm a big Woody Allen fan of his films and stuff. And I guess I just don't want to feel like I have to, like, give up that appreciation mm. of the art stuff, you know, because even though I, I, I like you say, you know, like, what they're, what they're guilty of, whatever, is all that bad stuff is bad and I fucking hate it and I wish it didn't exist... I'm not willing to give up the fucking substance of the good stuff that they did. No, and I agree. It's I hard. think, you know, um, and again, there shouldn't be pressure put on people for it to be so black and white. One of my issues I have with where we sit as a, as a society nowadays is everything has to be black and white. There can be no grey anymore. It's, uh, what did you think of this? Really liked it. What did you think of that? Really hated it. And it's kind of like, you know, it's a... Someone can say something very controversial, and I sort of find that with the, with the job I have now in radio. You get up the next day and they're like, what do you think? What do you think? 
was like, well, you know, I can see both sides of the story. I can see why this person thinks they haven't said anything wrong, and I can understand why that person is very offended by it. Um, and if you on this side say, well, okay, can you just not do that again? Or can you understand why I am hurt by what you have said? And the other person can say, yes, I can, but can you understand the reasons why I said it? And somewhere in the mm. middle we shake hands and say, well, we've both learned something today. Yeah, then yeah. I think the world yeah. will be a better place as to, well, no, 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 Who whose side are you on? Do you either think that person's horrible or do you think these people are ignorant and should just shut up and let people say what they want to say, freedom of speech? And that, I think, is the problem we have right now. And similar to, well, this person... you can't say you still want to listen to that album when they did all that horrible stuff. Yeah, you can't yeah, have it both yeah. ways. And and I yeah. think we, not that it's a blanket rule, but people should be allowed to make that decision where you can sort of sit For either themselves. side without yeah, it yeah. being yeah. your spineless and wishy-washy yeah. Switzerland. Yeah, there's a spectrum. No offence you know, to everything... anyone from Switzerland who's listening. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, I did say before we're going to get into music. Now, Yes. Um, the thing that I and and we'll sort of like uh, get through the last bit of this podcast by doing this. Um, this is the idea of this uh, end of this podcast is to go through the top twenty five most played songs <laughs> yes. on people's iTunes list, which is always fascinating, right? Because and 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 for me too, from my own personal experience, is that you the things that you find on that list often don't necessarily equate to how you imagined. Uh, it, they would line up, you know, songs For appear sure. and you go, oh, wow, I didn't think that would be there. Or songs, some of your favourite songs would be like, wow, it's not there at all. Um, yes. And there are lots of reasons for that. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Rove, to, um, to uh, well, you've actually, you know, full disclosure, you've already gave me your top 25 and I, and I did have a look at it. Most of the time I kind of just say like, I just it, do it sort of randomly, but I have seen yours. Would so, you Would you like um, me to? Would you like me to? If you've got the If you've got it there, I'll just throw numbers at you because, and then you can kind of like go to that number. That's how I normally do it, and uh, okay. most of the time I find that we, you know, that um, I've either heard of the song or, or we find something to talk about. But you know, just now I, to I do need to. I do need to uh, point out to people. Everybody does this. Go ahead. Okay, so mine mine has been corrupted by yes. my uh, daughter, and we. Of course, it has. Um, so, so, but what is interesting? What will make this very interesting for me? Yep. Is trying to decipher within these, like which ones I go. Oh no, I've yep. helped bump that up, and it's not just because yeah, she yeah. has had something on high rotation that she's really into. Yeah. So I think we'll both be surprised here by what I've brought to the table and what she's brought to the yeah. table. But isn't like, you know, and not wanting to sort of dwell too much on this concept, but isn't it interesting that, you know, because for me too, like I look at my top 25 and a lot of the songs are influenced by my wife and the fact that like there are certain songs that when we're, you know, like getting drunk and having a bit of a party together, we listen to these certain songs and she influences my, so, you know, it's kind of like it. It kind of shows that uh, it's not so. Your life isn't just all about you, right? There are all these kind of outside factors That's that are right. involved. Because one of the things, uh, uh, even if I can sort of jump ahead, there's there's a song here that I was. We might get to it, but I was surprised to see it on there because, like you say, I just assume longevity will win out. So you two, yeah. you two, you two factors for the algorithm of making the top twenty five is longevity. You've been in there longer than anyone else, and so just by odds you're going to come up. Uh, or um, a song that is, like you say, a favourite that you listen to all the time. And 
there's uh, yeah, there's one here that kind of threw me a little bit, but um, I think well, give I it know to us. What is it like? Um... It was um, oh, maybe it wasn't on here in the end. Maybe it got bumped off because I was trying to work out what mine would be. Uh, it uh, well, was. I've, I've got your list. Oh, here it is. Here it is. This would be it. The one that's interesting for me. There's uh, yeah, coming in at number sixteen. Is, exactly. That's exactly uh, what I knew you were gonna say. Is, Motorhead, is, right? It's Motorhead, right? It's a song called "The Game," and I know what this song is. This song is uh, the entrance. The reason I have it is because it is the entrance theme of a professional wrestler by the name of Triple H. He still kind of uses it now, um, <laughs> or at least a version of it. And it's one of those right. ones. Where I'm just like, why is that so high? Yeah. And there's, there's two, this, has had, this has nothing to do with my daughter. This is purely on me. So there's two reasons. One, it's a song that I went through a period I was when I was touring and when I still do tour. Like, I don't know how you find it, but to sort of get in the mode yeah. of getting on stage. Sure, but what I absolutely. do, it's almost like you get into battle mode. It's like you want to be warmed yeah. up. I stretch for whatever stupid reason. And I kind of have that like an MMA fighter. You want to hit something really yeah, loud. Absolutely. It's got a lot of bass. It's very rock heavy, very so heavy. Right. So this is so my, so my warm-up song. It's your music. Exactly, it's my psych up music, and because it was specifically written as the entrance theme for a professional wrestler, it has a specific rhythm and a cadence, and a, a, right. the way it is it is um, written and plays out. Uh, it's perfect for that kind of feeling of it. You're building, you're building, you're building. Um, yeah. But the other reason why it's there is because it's also number one on a on a playlist I have. Uh, of songs when I'm, uh, if I'm exercising, that kind of you know to sort of get right. you in the mood. So it's on that list as well. But because it's the first song, as soon as I hit play, it's always going to be there at the top. Interesting. So um, uh, Lemmy recently passed away, and I've, I've spoken to a bunch of people over the last you know few months about how we're sort of entering this period where you know some of the great rock and roll icons of the '50s, '60s. And early 70s are now becoming very old. And, um, you know, in the last, just this year alone, you know, Lemmy's gone, Prince has gone. We're seeing this kind of thing. Like, was, like, is that something that you're noticing? And, like, you know, because with other musicians that I talk about, it's like, oh man, we're just at the big. Bowie went this year. We're Bowie at the was a big one. Like, that was, a, that was yeah, one of those that real shockers. And this year is just the year of, you know, um, hold your idols close because even from, you know, the the comedy side of things has been, you know, um, like Gary Shandling was one who passed away as well. Um, there's just been, uh, it just seems like it's happening. That shock is happening more and more. There's always a level to which as people get older, they're just going to die. But, but Prince, Bowie, just ones that catch you right out of left field and you don't have the chance to recover from one then it's like, um, you know, Alan Rickman's de- dead or, you know, another one that you just go, wait a minute, we're still really Muhammad Ali. Holy shit, can you just let me catch my breath 2016? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But don't you think that part of it is just the fact that, like, our age group, you know, we've, like, some of it is kind of just, like, place and time stuff. I mean, like, oh, yeah, popu- for sure. like popular culture as we sort of know it and, and, and you sort of, you know, I, this is just my personal spin on it, but I, I think it's kind of correct. Popular culture, as we know it, kind of formed in the 50s and really kind of took off in the 60s. And, you know, as far as music, which is my thing that I know, like all the great, you know, 
idols of, of music history all kind of came from the 50s and 60s, you know, and... Um, and so it just stands to reason that, you know, it's 2016 and these people are getting old and and um, that exists outside of music, like you say, with comedy and, and, and the broader entertainment thing. Like, we're going to see it a lot. And um, not that I want to sort of dwell on anything that's kind of a bit morbid or whatever, but because there well, is it's, just, it's kind of natural, like it's going to happen. Yeah, right? but there's also, you know, there, there's a stamp of, I think there was a big footprint. It's very easy to to think that, well, we, we were just sort of in a pivotal time in life. But when you think about it, so you had the 50s and the 60s, a lot of stuff wasn't necessarily kept um, f- in the world of art and entertainment, like television shows were re-recorded over. Um, you know, it was sort of the rise of, of you know, the, the you know, 60s really, but then into the 70s and 80s where there was, you know, this massive influx of, of popular culture um, that really felt like it 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 really had mass appeal. Like I remember when I was a kid listening to the radio, you heard everything. Like there was no, it's the best of this era or this very niche style of music, but only from this decade. It was, God, you could get, you know, the most modern song and then straight into something else that was 10 years old. Um, so it sort of feels like there was a bit more of, of an imprint left that, touches everybody like you know i wasn't a huge fan of princes like i don't know if i've even got a single prince song in in any of my um itunes library but it doesn't mean i don't respect and understand and and yeah uh more than that i still was like yeah "Yeah, like prince my god of course are you kidding me and if you said to me could you say something about that of course i could because how could you not it was it was prince for crying out loud but um now we're kind of in a point of, you know, you could ask someone who's your who's your you know your favorite musician. They might mention someone that yeah they grew up with, or it could be someone who's out there now. It could be someone who's off on YouTube, yeah. and the average person walking the street has never heard of them. We're becoming more fractured now, and everything is becoming very niche. That I think for you and I and and many around our generation, there was a time where if you were a star, you loomed very very large. Uh, and even if you weren't a music aficionado, you you would know who these people were. Um, so when they when when they pass away, the loss is is far has a, a greater yeah, ripple yeah. effect than you could imagine. Yeah. Well, I think it's like uh, you know I agree with you about the niche thing, but I also think added to that is the fact that you know um, we the the disposable nature of 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 things yes you know, the absolutely fact that, like we bur- we burn through stuff really fast you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. and all our great musical icons and entertainment icons and cultural icons you know it felt like they had time you know they time that we watched them develop and they had all you know um i mean even now <laughs> it's kind of weird because like the Beatles, you look at the beatles catalog and they did it all inside 10 years and they you know everything that they did happened within ten years, which is a very short space in time. But yeah, you know, I look at like new stuff that happens now and just think like good new stuff that happens now, and just go like, this is great, this is amazing. But you know, like I really I worry sometimes that like how are they gonna you know where are they gonna be at in five years time because people you know just of that disposable kind of nature. Yeah, of, of it's like a sugar hit. You want to you know, I'll get it yeah. now and then uh I'll I'll move on to the next thing. So it's like yeah. you know you can say, "Oh, what about, you know, this new band or this great album 
And it's like, no, 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 I've I've found the next one. It's like, yeah, but what about, you know, they've released album two, three, and four. And it's like, no, 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 I liked it when they were new. Now I found this other thing that's new. Now I found this other thing that's new. No one wants to hold on to anything so much anymore. That's like, yeah, you know, people it's... come up and they, <laughs> they want to take a photo, which is great and fine by me, and then they do it on Snapchat and you go, doesn't it then sort of, I know you can save it onto your phone, but it sort of seems to me like that's such a disposable way of sharing a memory <laughs> with a friend is so to go, just... here, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I, uh, I met Rove and Bob Evans. Here it is on Snapchat. You'll get to look at it for six seconds and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never, I, like, I, I don't even know. Like Snapchat is kind of, I know what it is. I've heard of Snapchat, and I know the idea <laughs> that it kind of, of Snapchat you take is... a photo and it disappears after a while. But that's the basically the extent of my knowledge of Snapchat. It's yeah. uh, look, it is it is born to be disposable. So therefore, also yeah. it means it can be very rough around the edges. There's no, there's not necessarily fancy filters and all that kind of stuff like yeah, some of your yeah, other sure. ones. They're, they're, yeah. you know, although it is fun if you want to make yourself look like a dog. Let's get into more, some more songs, Rove. <laughs> yes, um, let's uh, go. Have you got your list? Um, I have. What about um, what about number eight? Number eight. Oh, don't check out the Furchester Hotel. Uh, this is the Furchester. Uh, right. So now this is kind of sort of going into the thing of like how your kids kind of influence your listening and. Oh, but how's this? Because this is a television show that my daughter uh, is still into, but it's not sort of at the top of her list as much as it was when this was added. Um, so this was the first of me going out and finding uh, YouTube clips that I could then take the audio out of because she would sing the theme song, the closing theme song, which was almost her way of uh, this is now time to go to bed was when she knew the closing credits to this show, which is it's a Muppet show. It's basically it's Elmo that most people would know the character of Elmo. Him, the the premise is it's him visiting some uh, relatives who live in the UK and they run a hotel full of puppet monsters. Yeah. So there's this closing theme song. uh, Is it Jim Henson's son? It's Henson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Brian, yeah, his son, son, has taken over most it. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, um, they they sing this song, and she loved singing the song. And I was just like, well, we can't always sing it all the time. So then I found the uh, the closing credits online, and I turned it into a little audio track of it. So then it became something that, yeah, then we would listen to in the car. And before I knew it, it was the start of building – uh, a playlist for her, which when we travel now, she has a mix of like popular songs that she likes. Uh, she's really starting to get into a bit of retro stuff, which I really like. She's just oh, found cool. the Beatles and Cindy Lauper. She heard we were at a um, God, both like a, great introductions, both a, brilliant introductions. I mean, the it was Beatles like you were listening like a, to the the. Um, we got out to oh, where were we? Like the post office or something? Like just a weird spot, and. Um, they're playing. You can hear Cindy Lauper's "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" playing just over the sound system for where. And she said, "Who's that lady singing about girls?" And I said, uh, "Oh, her name's Cindy Lauper." And so I started singing like "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," and she un- like she obviously understands the idea of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," and it's it's a very beautiful, bubbly, poppy song. And it's a brilliant so, song. Sure enough, I heard it on the radio just the other I, day, and it fucking blew my mind. You know, I was kind of like. Um, when I heard the song, and it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, wow, like, Cindy Lauper is so much better than Madonna. <laughs> you forget, just because it's, yeah, it's, it was, it's as bubblegum pop as you can song. get in some respects. 
So I've added that to her playlist now, and so now that's one that comes up quite regularly too. But, yes, um, cool. the the kids' theme songs were the introduction to her her world of music uh, in some respects. So so that's why we have a couple of songs from um, from the good people, Elmo and Friends at the Furchester Hotel. So how do you, as a parent, you know, with your kids, because obviously I've gone through this and a lot of people with kids have, like... Um, how do you sort of massage their sort of, uh, you know, musical input, you know, because, and I'll just sort of preface it by saying, like, sometimes people are surprised when I say, like, yeah, my kids, you know, the, their first music they used to do was, like, the Wiggles and the Fairies and the, all the kind of standard stuff, and that I think they kind of expected that I'd be, like, pumping them with, like, really cool stuff. But my idea is that, like, you know, I don't want to force feed anything to my kids. I just want them to discover it them for themselves because I think, you know, in the process of discovery, that's when you really latch onto like meaningful things that might kind of have some mm. lasting effect. Um, mm. So I don't want to be the cool parent that's just like, hey, forget the wiggles, listen to, you know, uh, Highway Revisited, you know, by Bob Dylan, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that person because yeah, I and think also, that my kids, if they, they'll find it themselves eventually. Exactly. And I want her to find I don't want it just to be... Uh, or he, here's what I like. Like one of the songs yeah. I have on my list um, is is Doctor Worm by They Might Be Giants. That's one of my favorites. I love that song. Yeah, I love, love that fan, song. Yeah. One of fans of the guys, and that's actually one of the more you know relatively more recent songs that they came out with. Sure. Um, and she likes that one. It's a fun, silly, upbeat song. Yeah. As most of their stuff with is lots of imagery, great imagery. You know yes. that you can latch onto. Yet yeah. still, when it plays, she will say to me, "This is Daddy's favorite." Meaning, I like this song, but it's <laughs> on this list because he has put it on right. here, and I tolerate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what yeah. I like is the fact that she she will go and find her own music herself if there's a way of doing that. And every now and again, she will actually get bored of of her playlist and she'll ask to listen to what she will say one of daddy's songs and one of mummy's songs or wishes this is a moment that i love she we're watching the the dumbo movie the other day and there's a scene where dumbo is reunited with his his mother for a moment and and she has him wrapped up in her trunk like a little cradle and it's just rocking him back and forward and there's a montage of all the different animals around the circus who are, you know, cuddling with their little ones. A really sweet little moment, despite the fact there is a, a bit of sadness to to the situation. And there's just this beautiful little song, just what I would deem in the background, um, to cover what is the visuals. And as we're watching it, I'm I'm pointing to Ruby and saying, "Oh, look at that beautiful little, you know, zebra and a mummy, and look at the kang- little Joey in the in mummy's pouch, and all this sort of stuff." And you know, there's a hippo, and oh, that's Daddy's favorite. I love hippos, and we're talking through all this sort of stuff as we as we watch. And then she's watched the movie about three times, and then I notice she's got her little toy baby just playing by herself, and she starts rocking it, and then she starts singing this song. And I'm like, how do I know that song? And then I realize, oh, that's the song that's in the background. Um, so I've looked it up, and uh, there is a relatively modern. Um, uh, the cover of it by Alison Krauss, and it's called Baby Mine. It is 
a beautiful song with just the most heartbreaking sentiment. Uh, I think lyrics are, uh, baby mine, uh, close your eyes, baby mine, don't you cry, rest your head close to my heart, never to part, baby of mine. What a beautiful sentiment. And also then goes into like when you go out into the world, people are going to say horrible things, don't you listen to them, I'll always be here. Most of those people who say those really mean things would ultimately, if they could only wish to know you, they would really love love you for who you are and if anything it's a real shame that they don't um it's such a beautiful sentiment and what i love the most about it is she introduced me to that song if not for her i w- i was too busy following the visuals and not so much the audio um so so that's one of those wonderful moments where it's not just me pushing or influencing her music tastes, but how it can also come back at you from them. And Absolutely. it's and it's not yeah, just yeah. hot potato, hot potato. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that happens in all respects, doesn't it, with that, mm. that relationship between, you know, parent and child. Okay, so we're going to wrap up really soon because sure. um, I've got to go pick up my kids for yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes. Rove, I, I really appreciate you you taking the time out to do this for me. Um, it's been really, really wonderful. Um, I want to just quickly end on one more song. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it should be, you know, the number one most played on your top 25. And, and I, as I've said to <laughs> listeners, I have already seen what that is, and it, it is particularly interesting. I really want to find out the story. So uh, what's the number one on your uh, top 25 most played <laughs> number songs? Number one with a bullet. <laughs> Rain, in brackets, peaceful and soothing for parents by Dr. Harvey Kemp. Right. <laughs> this is... So is this something that you do yoga is, to? Or? No, it is just the <laughs> sa- is the, almost the white noise of rain. That's that amazing. Is, is on, it's, a, it's a thing I have on a very outdated iPod. Old style, origi- yeah, not yeah, original, but, my iPod, but man. second mode iPod. So um, it's something we play in the background, which we kind of have from when uh, Ruby was little and I were looking into, you know, as you do, you overstudy. But this idea of white noise can help them sleep, especially in the early stages, because it helps them find a sleep pattern because there's not, you know, if a car goes by or if you drop something and there's a sudden noise, it doesn't disrupt their sleep. And then they wake up when they haven't quite taught themselves how to go back down yet. So just the idea was just play a very low-level white noise. Sometimes it's a hairdryer. Sometimes it's rain. Sometimes it's literally the sound of static. And we chose rain because it's the least offensive to our ears. And so when we travel, even to this day, if because we, we do so much travelling, like you can sometimes find that she's sleeping in a room that's near uh, the, the road. So, you know, you got, or near on the neighbour's side of the house because we move around a lot. So we take this with us. I have a set of portable speakers and I just plug it in and we just have it just under her bed, just this soothing sound of rain to just help her, you know, get through the night without being interrupted. Um, We now to this day go, at some point we'll stop doing that, right? (laughs) Um, But at the moment we haven't. So, yeah, it's it's up there and, um, uh, yeah, there we go. So that's, awesome. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. Look, of all the rain noises, Dr. Harvey Kemp knows his stuff, guys. <laughs> there were so many, there were lots of other things that I really wanted to talk to you about. I'm really kind of bummed that we're running run out of time. I, I want to make quick mention of the fact that, you know, um, we sort of didn't go over your history doing your, um, doing the TV show Rove, but I, I did want to sort of, um, you know, talk about the fact that um, – 
during the years, I mean, I don't know how long Rove was going for. It must have been like, what, eight years or something. Um, and it gave a platform for uh, every single, once a week, every week, for years and years and years, uh, for Australian bands and international bands, but a lot of Australian bands to um, to play songs, you know, to promote themselves, to play, to do their thing, what they do on tour all the time, to, to do that on television to a, an audience that they could never have... Uh, have had before and um and since that show finished there hasn't been anything to replace it and um you know i i just wanted to sort of quickly even though it's not we don't have time to discuss it i just wanted to quickly make note of the fact that you know that was really important you know it was super important and um i think all the bands that kind of were around at that time and benefited from that you know would uh would kind of look back and go wow you know that was a, a really cool thing that happened and i, I would love to think that one day that might come back, you know, again. Because when you look at television now, there's really just nothing. There's nowhere for musicians to kind of mm. uh, to do their thing. And um, so, yeah, I just want, kind of wanted to mention that and sort of say thanks and kind of just shine a light on that before, you know. Well, yeah, I I appreciate that, and I loved having that that platform to be able to give people an opportunity to show, to show what they could do. And, you know, um, and I got a lot out of it as well. I, you know, I used to, I used to, it was one of my favorite parts of the night. I had, you know, a front seat for the best concert in town once a week. It was fantastic. The amount of, the amount of people that stopped by to perform and what was, what we lovingly referred to as our Nana rug on our set. We just had, <laughs> From the very yeah. first show when we didn't really have a set, we just put down this rug on the floor to make it feel like it wasn't just a big bare studio floor. And uh, we ended up taking it with us and it just became a bit of a calling card. The amount of people that have performed on that rug over the years is is staggering. Um, you know, people like Bowie himself, uh, like you, um, you know, everybody from, you know, God, even people from Idol, people, from, you know, kissing a symphony orchestra, you know, a whole... A whole bunch, um, you know, and, and so many local artists. Um, it was a really great opportunity, and and I thank you guys for bringing that to to our show and 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 sharing it with me as well because I got so much out of that, and I feel my appreciation for music was um, strengthened by mm. those experiences on a weekly on a weekly basis. But also, and I of, too like, hope to, that, to have sh- that opportunity again. Yeah, I mean, it kind of showed to me too, like, I mean, um, you know, like you must have, it made me feel like you you obviously have an appreciation for music to, you know, sort of dedicate that, to have dedicated that time to bands, you know, on your show. And um, I mean, like you guys, I've got to stop soon, but... But show at its peak was rating fucking through the roof. Like, what are we talking? Like yeah. A million people or some shit? It was fucking. It, it huge. was. Uh, we 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 yeah. We had look. We were a roller coaster like anyone would be in the you know ten years we were doing it. So we had our ups and we had our downs. But uh, you know, especially towards the end, we were doing really really well. And um, it's it's look. I can say this. It it just timed out when I decided to finish the show. Um, it was, um, 
my choice for a myriad of different reasons. But for those who don't know the story, very quickly, I didn't tell anybody. I just decided, look, that's it. Um, no, uh, again, no lap of honour, no fanfare. I basically just told everyone next week, that's it. It's our last show for the year and it's my last show ever. We started the show and I said, guys, this is it. If you're, if you're not watching... Yeah, if you don't know, if you know someone who should be watching, call them now because in in an hour's time, this is it, and I say goodbye forever. Um, and as luck would have it, our our um, band booked for that show was Powderfinger, one of my oh, wow. all time favorite yep. bands, an Australian band, and they played yeah. um, what played one of their what new singles band? and uh, yeah, and it was I got to perform with them afterwards. They did an encore. I went backstage after, uh, before the show and I said, look, guys, just so you know, this is it. And we've been talking about their, their album at the time and uh, then uh, they, I basically was saying all the songs I liked. They did an encore after the show where they called me up to perform the song that I loved the most off their album and I got to perform with them and it was only, I don't know, within six months that they too said we're finishing up. So it was this beautiful moment in time I got to share with one of my all-time favourites, an Aussie band, to, to farewell a show. So... So yeah, a wonderful opportunity that I, that I hope to get to repeat sometime for everybody's sake. I, I agree. It's uh, it's it's a it's a sad place when we don't have that ability for people to get out and show what they can do. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Rove. Like I said, I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, uh, thank good you so much. You. For good to see you. Good to talk to you. Good to hear you. And everything. <laughs> everything. And, uh, <laughs> and I really, really need to do a piss. So <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world so of podcasting. I'm going to go do a wee and then pick up my kiss. But thank you, Rove. It was Enjoy such the a pleasure. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.